This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. The train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, continues to garner a lot of national attention. But some say the rail company hasn't handled the situation well. They didn't even send anybody to the public meeting because they said they were afraid that for the safety of of their employees. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. On Saturday, Governor Jim Justice sent out a statement applauding the agreement that had been reached between his office and both chambers of the legislature on tax reductions. Later that same afternoon, the Senate passed the tax reduction proposal by erasing everything in a previously passed House bill. The package goes back to the House of Delegates for their approval. The Senate also passed three other major bills Saturday. They included a budget bill, a bill to give some state employees a $2,300 pay raise, and a bill that will see premiums for PEIA recipients rise between 14 and 26 percent. The state insurance program has been in trouble in recent years as expenses have increased. Justice previously said he would not accept premium increases while he was governor. It's unclear if he will accept the increases. With toxic forever chemicals being detected in waterways statewide, the pollutants have caught the attention of both the public eye and state legislators. Shepard Snyder has more. PFAS are a group of around 10,000 man-made chemicals that have been used to manufacture both industrial and consumer products for around 80 years. More commonly known as forever chemicals, they're known to cause health problems like liver damage, higher cholesterol, cancer, and a weakened immune system, among others. Most famously, PFAS chemicals have been used to create industrial-grade firefighting foam and have been used by companies like Chemours and DuPont to create Teflon. But they're also found in products like food packaging and water-resistant jackets. These products end up in landfills, many of them, and the landfills can have leachate that get into the ground. That was Jenna Dodson, staff scientist at the West Virginia Rivers Coalition. She was among the panelists at a public conference addressing PFAS earlier this month in Shepherdstown, located in the eastern panhandle. Levels of PFAS chemicals above the federal EPA's health advisories have been found in 130 raw water supplies statewide, with the state's Departments of Environmental Protection and Health and Human Resources currently testing the state's treated water systems as well. In 2019, the CDC reported that state residents living near the Shepherd Field Air National Guard base in Martinsburg had blood concentrations of PFAS higher than the national average. Bases like that use the PFAS firefighting foam, and it's believed the chemicals contaminated much of the local waterways. High levels of the chemicals were found in Martinsburg's Big Springs Water Filtration Plant in 2016. They're in our waterways, it's in our soil, it's in our air, because it also travels via air deposition, and so that's why they're so ubiquitous. And, And again, localized contamination can occur. In the region alone, there are 36 raw water supplies that have been identified as having unsafe amounts of chemicals. That area, along with the Ohio River Valley, are considered PFAS hot zones in West Virginia, though they've been found in water supplies statewide. 
Dodson was joined by Brent Walls of the Potomac Riverkeeper Network. He's studying PFAS effects on the Potomac River's aquatic ecosystem by surveying small-range fish species in the area. He discovered some fish in the nearby Antietam Creek in Maryland had elevated amounts of the chemicals in their tissue. That was extremely alarming because smallmouth bass is a popular recreational fish species, not only for catch and release, but also for families and communities to um, take home to eat. Health advisory guidelines released by the EPA in 2022 say anything above 0.004 parts per trillion for PFOA or 0.02 parts per trillion for PFOS are considered unsafe. PFOA and PFOS are two common PFAS subgroups. That would be one drop of PFOS in 20 Olympic-sized pools. Uh, that's the kind of, you know, visualization of how small of an amount of this pollutant has an impact. Walls is worried state and local agencies wouldn't be able to properly measure and treat PFAS because of how little amounts are needed to infiltrate waterways to contaminate them. Those tests are expensive. And um, even if the facilities are able to find a lab to you know provide the analysis, then they have to find the resources to address the situation. That's a concern echoed by John Bresland, one of the local citizens in attendance at the Shepherdstown Conference Walls and Dodson spoke at. He's also a member of the town's water board. I know that the current wastewater plant that we have will not be able to, to remove PFAS, so we need, to, we need to get some guidance from EPA as to how do we if and when the time comes. Others in attendance, like David Lillard, were concerned about both his health as well as the health of the local environment. We're a headwater state. Water that flows from our mountains is not only our drinking water, it is a drinking water for people in the Ohio Valley and in the Potomac River Basin. It's five million people just in the Washington, D.C. area. In the state legislature, bills have been introduced in both the House and Senate that would require the State Department of Environmental Protection to create an action plan to address PFAS chemicals, have state manufacturing facilities monitor and self-report PFAS discharge, and would enforce a limit on said discharges statewide. Senate Bill 485 passed through the Senate Agriculture and Natural Resource Committee and is currently in the Finance Committee. But the House of Delegates equivalent bill, HB 3189, passed the House as of Friday. It's now on its way to the Senate. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Shepard Snyder in Martinsburg. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 7.50. Mostly cloudy skies today and breezy with a chance of rain and thunderstorms. Highs in the 50s and 60s. Windy tonight with rain and thunderstorms. Lows in the 40s. Tomorrow, decreasing cloudiness with highs in the 40s and 50s. Mostly sunny on Wednesday with highs in the 60s and 70s. Support for WVPB is provided by Dutch Miller Subaru in Charleston. Dutch Miller Automotive is proud to be dedicated to multiple community service initiatives and local charities. More about our team and the Subaru Love Promise at DutchMillerSubaru.com.
A serious train derailment and chemical release in Ohio has dominated the headlines for the past few weeks. West Virginia has seen its own share of disasters with hazardous materials, including an oil train derailment and fire in 2015. Curtis Tate spoke with Jesse Richardson of the West Virginia University Land Use and Sustainable Development Law Clinic about those events. The attention we're paying to this Ohio derailment is probably a good thing, but will it last? A lot of times after the disaster is dissipated, everybody forgets about it, and uh, we go on to the next disaster. Railroads are very profitable, and they have good lobbyists, yet they have a terrible public reputation. How would you rate Norfolk Southern's handling of this situation? Yeah, that's amazing, too, that a major corporation like that can be so tone deaf. They didn't even send anybody to the public meeting because they said they were afraid that for the safety of of their employees, which, you know, if people were genuinely concerned about their safety, you know, I kind of get that, but still to to not show, show up with anybody, What do you think the public needs most right now? I think at this point, we just need Norfolk Southern and and the government officials to be there and to to give the people the information that they need and um, to put the politics aside, if that's at all possible. Is it unusual for the Environmental Protection Agency to move so aggressively, taking action under what most of us know as the Superfund law? I don't think so. I think that's pretty normal. And I think it did appear, and I'm not positive, but it appeared that Norfolk Southern might have been dragging their feet a little bit as far as initiating the cleanup. And so that's pretty normal, though, that the EPA will come in and say, well, we're holding you responsible under CERCLA, and if you don't, and I think this threat has been made, and the EPA might already be doing the cleanup, EPA usually says, if you don't do the cleanup, we'll do the cleanup, and that is much more expensive. I was in Mount Carbon in early 2015 when the oil train derailed and caught fire. I don't remember as much public outcry about that incident, which was very serious. Is there perhaps a cultural difference in West Virginia? Do people just expect these things to happen? I think you're probably on to something there. West Virginians are used to things happening, and kind of the culture is that we don't ask for help. Um, We just suck it up. As you know, the politics have become more hyper-partisan, since that time and maybe that has something to do with it but i would agree that at least part of it is cultural that west virginia expects that kind of thing to happen and there's generally not as big of a of a uproar about it It seems like the public alarm in Ohio didn't reach its peak until the vinyl chloride was vented and burned, creating the disturbing images of a huge smoke column pouring into the sky. Why do you think that is? I've heard a lot about, I've heard some criticism about how the uh, contamination was burned off and how that 
method of disposal in and of itself created some additional uh, concerns. And I've heard, I don't, I haven't heard any answers, but I've heard questions about who made that decision and why did they opt with that method. So I think that's something that will be discussed in the future as well. No one was injured or killed in the Ohio disaster, fortunately. But there's an awful lot we still don't know about the long-term exposure to these chemicals, right? No, that's a good point. And I think that's what is concerning a lot of the citizens here is that they, at least the perception is they're being told, don't worry, be happy, go back home, everything's fine. But they have questions about what, how is this going to impact me and my children 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 40 years from now? Are we going to be more prone to cancer? Are we going to have respiratory disease? And I don't think we know. What could Norfolk Southern have done better or sooner? Um, I actually thought when, when Norfolk Southern said we're not going to send anybody to this um, public meeting, my first thought was, doesn't Norfolk Southern have somebody that lives there, a local person who can say, hey, I work for Norfolk Southern, I'm your neighbor, here's what's going on. That would have been an ideal way to deal with the situation, in my opinion, but just like local news, we have a lot of these big national corporations that have no connection to the local communities either, and that's unfortunate. That was Jesse Richardson of the West Virginia University College of Law speaking with Curtis Tate about the recent train derailment in Ohio. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from West Virginia University, Concord University, and Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Caroline McGregor, Curtis Tate, Chris Schultz, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, Randy Yoey, and Shepard Snyder. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning. <laughs>